0: Well, hello, folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know, and now maybe also would like to know, about the U.S. men's national soccer team. I'm Clayton. I'm a
1: musician. I'm Ty. I manage a web design company. And we love the Nets. It's Greg's team now. (laughs) No... (laughs)
0: File calmly to the Grexits <laughs> I, th-
1: I want to file calmly to the Grentrance
0: <laughs> Get me in the, them Grentrances. Go straight through that Burr Hallway-ter.
1: Oh! Got him. Uh... we better start the show. <laughs> it's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.
0: The game was, of course, USA versus Panama or Panama or Panama, however you place your emphasis. We'll be rev- we'll be uh... <laughs> we will be uh, recapping this game as well as looking forward to what comes next for the Nats over the next uh, hour or so. A little bit less than that. Welcome in. Thank you for joining us. Make sure to follow us if you'd like to get to know us a little better on Twitter at WTPpod. And do not forget, if you love the show, rate and review it with five stars, please, uh, because that really for helps us helps us in our journey, in our quest towards the World Cup. That helps the Nats if you rate us five stars, por favor.
1: And we always have celebrities come on and read the reviews. And, um, you know, I just have a feeling that there might be a, a certain... Young man from New Jersey. Very calm, skinny. Making an appearance. Jersey
0: guy. On the show.
1: We'll see if we can get him. We'll see All if right. we can get him.
0: We shall see. Boys, line up up what even happened we done had a game <laughs> we done played some stuff all right check it out who the, are these who, people <laughs> seriously <laughs> oh my lord i i really did not recognize a lot of these faces that lineup so we'll dive into it we got zach stefan it's uh it's one and a half gloves for zach stefan today uh the 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 wingback pairing you know and love nick lima and daniel lovitz classic <laughs> no no relation uh we got walker zimmerman and aaron long the mlsc <laughs> center back pairing uh the uh, of all time we've got michael bradley christian roldan in the middle and welcome on in georgie Mihailovic. all right mm. yeah, uh, let's georgie. see a little right-sided midfielded uh, Corey baird and then uh on the on the left a little jeremy ebobise welcome on in uh and and as at Stryker, we want someone tried and true who's proven their worth on the field. So we uh, went with Giassi Zardes, unfortunately. <laughs> Folks, this game was. Uh, starter. It was yeah, locked sure starter. locked in. It was uh, a little bit of a slow start for our Nats. We got to see some very traffic coney moments from your boy Giasi Zardes. A couple chances on both sides, but 40 minutes in, uh, Georgi Mihailovic would get his first goal for the USMNT, capping off what I would consider to be the the most interesting performance of anyone on the field uh, mm-hmm. up to yeah. that point. He was definitely he was he was like a. An, an American Rakitic out there. It was it was a beautiful thing Ooh, to see. He was like good a comp. He's he's a, he's Rakitic light diet turned down just a bit. Uh, that was pretty much the 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 highlight of the game, the peak. After that, the boys would come on out again uh, in the same formation, only to be uh, changed. For for whatever reason, Greg Berhalter takes out Georgi Mihailovic, um, which to me was sad because he was making it worth it for me. But uh, the 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 team charged on, uh, ended up catching another couple goals late in this one. We got to see uh, Walker Zimmerman score off of a cross from Nick Lima. It was kind of a post corner kick situation. Uh, and then we also got to see uh, Christian Ramirez two subs. Christian Ram- Jonathan Lewis gets the assist to Christian Ramirez, who uh, finishes off a tap in. And I gotta say, it felt like something G-O-C's artists would have messed up. So thank you, Christian Ramirez, for doing that. We appreciated that. Uh, we also Altidore got to see Altidore over the bar, <laughs> <laughs> fifteen feet to a bar, yeah. fifteen more. We got... Altidore back to Lewis. <laughs> We got to see our favorite Pauli Ariola Nips. Uh, Polly Nips! And a I little you. Yeah, and a little Sean Johnson too, why not? I think I forgot to sure. say that it was uh, Sebastian Legette who came in for, for our Georgie boy. Um, but yeah, we got to see some Sean Johnson as well in goal. Ty, uh, post-game, we, we both totally remembered about this game and totally didn't forget to do a Rastapod. Um, yeah, we
1: we we deliberately didn't do it just to heighten the suspense. That's for all correct.
0: Of you. Yeah, it was yes. a conscious, deliberate choice. But after all that, Ty, I am dying to know what were your first impressions here.
1: I was thrilled with the system and the ideas and the the concepts that that Berhalter was um, was not only uh, introducing through the way that the the guys played, but because no one was watching the game, you could actually hear a lot of his instructions, which was cool. Um, and useful for us at home, uh, not useful in growing the fan base, winning the World Cup, eventual revenue, etc. Uh, but but handy for us. So I, I was a, I was huge on all of those things. I thought they were all very very smart and well thought through and welcome and and good fits with our with our team. But I w- couldn't help but be depressed at the level to which those ideas were executed. Namely the idea of you know trying to pass out of the back, trying to keep the ball on the ground, trying to play one twos they there were still the the customary MLSE you know slam it out of bounds attempts to make a pass you know where it's just like no pressure, I'm going you know point A to point B, except that it doesn't go to point B, it actually goes to the ball boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was a lot it's of like, that. There was also a lot of like could have been a, a forward pass, but the midfielders like wouldn't even look over their shoulder to see what the pressure was like. It just is like yeah, an, there it, it was insta- there was some checking back. back.
1: Yes, yes. But to me, I I was looking at this as a as a demonstration of intent, not as a finished product in any regard. As I think everybody should. So for me, the the result is is pretty much irrelevant. The thing to look at is the way that the the team. Uh, came out and set up, and and what they were trying to do, you know, little things and large things, um, to give us some hints as to way as to the way that the eventual full team will play. And I I'm very assured by the fact that, you know, earlier in the day on that Sunday we saw Tyler Adams go ninety incredible minutes for RB Leipzig. Really, and I didn't know that. That's totally exciting. totally dom dom. He he was in central midfield for the whole match. Uh, and completely controlled the tempo of the game. So That's incredible. incredible. quite an outstanding performance and he misplaced maybe two or three passes, you know, b- major passes uh, over the course of that game. Um, so I think if you plug someone like him into a system like this, you, you start to get a lot out of it. And then we also have uh, McKinney, obviously, and, and, you know, other, other more technical, more talented players who aren't available for this camp. So I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, I have a couple of qualms with the with the tactical stuff. Yeah, so Ty, or, or you were, worries, but I'm overall very very pleased.
0: You were saying that uh, you got to see a lot of what we can expect tactically. What exactly was that um, how, in your words? And then, yeah, what yeah. were your what are your concerns moving forward?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll pick out the the main most visible one is that the shape changes between defense and attack. So when the ball, when the opposition has the ball, the U S was setting up as a pretty flat, you know, uh, straight line four, four, two. Yeah. With the,
0: and with the press, it almost looked like a four, two, four on defense sometimes,
1: sometimes. Yeah. But the, I'll get to the press that was less present than it was in the, in the Sarabon era, for instance. Um, and I've heard Berhalter's explanations for that and why we're approaching it that way. But the, this was the most, uh, apparent thing was that in attack. So in the buildup, uh, we had one fullback, Lovitz, slotting into a three-man back line with the two center backs. And then we had yeah. Lima, the right back, tuck into midfield to to pair with Bradley. Uh, and then you had Roldan a little bit higher. So it turned into, you could call it like a 3-2-2-3 three, two, two, three in, in attack with the um, the two wide midfielders posted way, way, way high, like Dortmund high on attack. So it was uh, a um, Bisse and Baird. And so they they were they were like hugging the touchline. The the goal of which tactically is to make the field big. So the idea is you want you want to, when you're on attack, you want to spread the field because it opens up space for passing. So if you're if that's what you're trying to do, if you're trying to pass around people, you want those people you're passing around to be as far away from each other as possible. So you station your wingers as wide as they possibly can be. So that when you're in attack, you the the opposition has to stretch their uh, numbers uh, across a larger area, um, and we paired that with a passing uh, approach that was was great and and came off on a number of occasions and looked really good. and, and Berhalter said after the game that there were you know plenty of occasions where it seemed like it all it almost worked you know and it's kind of work in progress moments, but um, that it did come off on a couple occasions, like including the the um, some of the goals. Yeah, and, I think the um, third
0: goal in particular was. Yeah, very, the third goal was was, was, was a, lot a moment like that. of dribbling uh, prowess right. from Jonathan right, Lewis. Right. That was that that was kind of the crown jewel of a nice little passing sequence, and we ended right. up in right. front of an empty net. How do you not score? How can you not score that Altidore?
1: Josie, there was the so the, the particular passing methodology that I noticed over and over and over were long vertical passes. Uh, that were you know maybe twenty yard vertical passes uh, that were paired with um, diagonal runs from midfield, so which is exactly what you want to do if if you stretch the field so you get the opposition to to be wider, that opens up gaps and then players in the forward line have to be um, have to be smart about finding those gaps and then making runs into them so that midfielders can find them with with through balls. And those were uh, there. There were also a number of through balls that were played between the other lines. So there were uh, through balls played, like the one for the first goal. That was, I think, it was Roldan to um, to Baird, who squared it for Mihailovic. Uh And so that was that was a, a good example. But there were plenty from Zimmerman to Roldan, for instance, where um, you know it's a normal you know build up situation, and we're kind of circulating in the back, and then um, and then. Uh, Zimmerman is on the lookout for the vertical pass that can split the lines rack up them packing stats uh, we can explain another day but bypassing lots of defenders um, and moving the attack into a totally new phase very quickly so that's the the higher risk pass in the in the berhalter system is uh, is this this vertical pass and he enables that with the tactical setup of where the guys are positioned to begin with
0: and what are your concerns about moving forward? Any cracks you see in this uh, yeah. nice, pretty 3 nothing veneer?
1: Right, right. So if I were attacking this system, uh, what's, what's neat about it is that it transitions between defense and attack, right? So the attacking shape is much more, um, much more productive for the kind of uh, attacking movement that we're looking for. The weakness of a system that transitions between two states is that, is that you have to transition, so if I was attacking this system, I would try to put the US in spots where um the the ball turns over quickly and then you get to attack their attacking shape because they're still stuck in that shape. So like at, right after the ball turns over, their right back is dramatically out of position for the for their defensive shape. And there were plenty of moments where if Panama was a little bit more technical and a little bit more savvy, they might have, you know, figured that out and been able to exploit the US. So, namely, um, like if you have outlet balls to your to your wingers, it's really easy to create two on ones on the outside against a three back because um, if you can uh, if you can like isolate one of those three, so it's, you know you have you have one on the left, one on the right, and one in the middle. If you can drag one of those one of those three way out wide, uh, you can pretty easily get them in a situation where they're having to defend two, and that creates big problems, especially if you attack the center back who ends up in that spot. Because they're not necessarily as mobile as the fullback who's who's gone into that spot. So, um, so that's that's the concern for me with the system is that against say a Mexico or you know even even better teams certainly better teams but even someone like Mexico that they would be able to find uh, gaps in transition pretty easily and break on us too fast and that the the sort of morphing shape would be a liability in those situations. So. Um, yeah.
0: So we've mentioned a lot of missing names here in a lot of ways, or uh, that a lot of these names are new to us. Um, and for that reason, in a lot of ways, this was a little bit of a, a Greg Gerhalter showcase uh, because yes, right. nobody really cares how well Daniel Lovitz plays, I don't think. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but Danny. we are interested in seeing these players who aren't, who are, so they're sort of like anonymous yeah, they're pieces. they're like
1: fungible yeah. swappable parts. And we're we're getting system, to see
0: right? clearly like what what direction Greg is going in. Just yeah. to address that though, why why the uh why the random names here? What's the are there roster restrictions? What's this is it because of the time of the year?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the circumstances of the January camp, we didn't get to do our roster pod, but the January camp is held every year because MLS has this big break in the winter because it is friggin' freezing in most of the United States and Canada, uh, not soccer weather at the moment. So the MLS um, teams have this big break uh, between, you know, for most of the teams, it's between October and March. Um, and so they're all off. And the, the January camp came up as a way to get the U.S.-based MLS players some time to keep their fitness and get ready for, for the season uh, and and showcase themselves for the, for the U.S. staff. So uh, that's... That's the intent. So you, so what you have here are essentially the MLS players who the staff rates as most likely to have an impact on the national team in the near future. Uh, but we're in an era of the national team where uh, we expect that, you know, maybe nine of the 11 starters would be European based or, you know, foreign based in some regard. Right. So the the, you know, level of that player is not particularly high at the moment. Um, but what happens often with these camps is that it, it gives players a chance to um, to blossom as international caliber players, and then you have one or two out of every camp who comes out of it with uh, as sort of an established you know picture of what the USMNT is going to be doing in that next year. Um, like even last year, you had you had someone like Tyler Adams just confirming that he belongs at this level, um, and in the past you've had. Jeff Cameron, Matt Beasler, those kind of guys uh, coming through and and doing well. So
0: yeah, and Jeremy Ebobise is a, is a young cat, and much like uh, Tyler. Well, I don't know how young he is, but I I know he's he's
1: he's 21. Yeah, he's
0: 21. So he he
1: looks like he's 85. (laughs) (laughs) Plays like he's he's 18.
0: Um, He's doing he gets a chance. Right. So there's like there's random names. I think sometimes also in the January camp, some domestic players get rewarded for, uh, you know, and appreciated for what they're doing in the MLS, even when they're not part of the picture moving forward necessarily, or at least not in a big way. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long are are strong examples of that. Players right, right. that are, and are greatly appreciated, but probably not uh, huge impactors moving forward.
1: Right. And there's a a set of these players who are in camp where y- you know you could put an eleven together that's like, oh yeah, that looks like national team players I've seen before. You know, but you had guys like um, Paul Ariola on the bench, Will Trapp, etc. Yeah, uh, uh, legit. You know, even some some of the guys who got in the game. So the the total randomness of the roster this time, uh, or of the of the eleven, is down to the fact that it you know apparently according to Berhalter these guys have been performing the best in camp and kind of earning this time at the end of the uh, the camp. So I've I've no reason or um, or ability to quibble with the selection. It's just you know to me to me that's that's not the point of the game and um, and it doesn't really matter. And there, yeah. there's one particular thing that people quibble with, which is having Michael Bradley be a part of the national team at all, let alone in the eleven. And I which I think is completely absurd. Uh but and and it's just it's a natural human reaction to yeah.
0: It was painful and traumatic to watch Michael Bradley lead our team into the murky, murky moat that surrounded that field in Trinidad. But mm-hmm. um but you know just uh have a look at some of those games we played with Will Trapp in the slot and I think You'll yeah, exactly. gain an appreciation. And I'd love to have someone better than Michael Bradley out there or younger than Michael Bradley, but uh, you know, we're not there yet. So
1: Yeah, until Can that you... person appears. Yeah. You know, this this is this is definitely the best choice. I mean, if you if you took away all of the history and you took away the name and the, the the pain of who that person in the past and you just look at the skill and what he brings to to the team, you know, put a different name on his back and give him a wig, people would love this guy. <laughs> people would be people wig. would be going People would be freaking out at how good this this player is, who we just discovered. Yeah, Michael Bradley. He <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> should try that. That'd be great.
0: So, so who's do... uh, who's this guy Georgi Mihailovic? I mean, like I yeah, said, so... I thought I thought he had a great showing. Really calm. Actually, yeah, yeah. can pass. Actually, sees the game. He's that. He's that soccer player that uh, it can be difficult to explain to a non-soccer fan why a player like this matters so much and right, can make right. such a big difference because they're not going to score a ton of goals. They're not going to put in crunching tackles. They, uh, players like Mihailovic are going to be a link and, and make little triangles and open stuff up. And, and he's not big. He's not super fast. He's not flashy dribbly. So uh, who is this guy? Where does he come from? And what does he, what, what does he mean uh, for the team?
1: Yeah, so he's a Chicago fire homegrown. Uh he had a um promising rookie season that ended in a injury uh I think during the playoffs two years ago. So this last year was going to be his first full season and it got uh kind of cut short by his recovery from a, a ACL, I think it was. So he came back uh towards the middle of last season and was was really great for, for Chicago. Uh Chicago in generally, generally quite horrific. Um, but he, he did well for them uh, and, and sparkled very brightly. He's, he's incredibly technical, as you can tell, very unusual for U.S. players of any age. Um, and it, that, that seems to kind of come from his uh, soccer upbringing. His dad was a pro. Um, he grew up in the Chicago area. Um, and I, I think his dad's in you know, coaching roles and still involved in the game and things like that. Kind of a similar vibe to the Pulisic household. Um, so he, he clearly, you know, Itches. one of those, one of those kids who grew up with a ball at his feet. Uh, and you can tell just from the way that he, uh, comports himself and the comfort that he has, um, moving the ball. So I, I think, yeah, anytime you can find a player who's that, um, that fluid and that's able to link, uh, link play, that's, you, you gotta, you gotta cling for dear life because those don't come along that often for, for the U S national team. I think there are there are other attributes that other national teams would probably pine for, but that's the one that we really, really need. So yeah, anybody who shows that kind of like I don't care what level they're at, if they show that they can just keep moving the ball, that means a lot to me. It,
0: it means a lot, and it's weird. It's like there's a a language of soccer being spoken around the world that Americans have are have not always spoke fluently, and I, I mean that in a in a metaphorical sense, like on the field, and it really stands out when you see a player. Who seems to have that understanding of the game um in in our country we've been able to figure out athleticism and and athletics sports in general um but not so much the cultural sort of maybe psychological understanding of how this the mechanisms of soccer and and team how a team can succeed and so it, it does stand out I think you know Weston McKenney has a little bit of that action going on too and and you really notice yeah. it right away and I would say.
1: Uh, yeah, another comp might be uh, Emerson Hindman, another kid from a soccer family. Clearly yeah, grew up with the game, and when you when you watch him, uh, oh uh, Nagby as well. Like I'm just I'm just thinking of all these. I'm thinking of all the players in the U.S. pool who have good touch, and that it seems like they all have some sort of soccer connection from their past. Like uh, Emerson Hindman's grandpapa, Chellis, was a coach in MLS for many years, and obviously Joe Nagby, uh, a teammate of uh, of of Mr. Weah out in Liberia way, way back. Uh, So that, that, that's the kind of stuff that, um, you know, we, we don't get just by cultural osmosis. If you're a kid who likes soccer, you don't get surrounded by that. But if it's in your family, maybe that you have a better chance of of acquiring it. Um, So yeah, I, I love these kinds of players. I want them around. I want them to get as much game time as possible. And that, you know, I I would much, much rather, even at the risk of losing, Uh, a a game or losing a tournament I would much rather invest energy and time into you know giving Georgi Mihaljevic every opportunity rather than cultivating the next Alejandro Bedoya you know like it just doesn't it doesn't move the needle if we if we find another Alejandro Bedoya but it does move the needle if we can develop someone like Rakitic as you said so it's it's way 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 different than anything that we're used to seeing
0: So here we are. This 11 has been juiced for all the interest it's worth, and I'd like to move around the world maybe and check in with what's going on with the the, uh, fishies. I think I hear a sound. I know I hear a sound. It's getting louder, and I love the sound. Welcome to the Fishy Report, Fishy Report, welcome Welcome to the Fishy Report. 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 Wee. Welcome, folks, to your favorite part of the show called The Fishy Report. This is the part of the show where we talk about players who qualify as a fishy, which means that they could play for any you-something team for the Nets. Uh, Ty, what's going on with some of our fishies around the world? And I'm I'm happy to bend the rules a little bit. If you want to check on any uh, technically not fishies but European players, if there's anything going on out there. Yeah, yeah, I'll
1: get to some at the end. So the... The uh, primary fishy story of yeah, uh, you know, I'm trying to re- recall the last time that we we delved to this beautiful and and scary part of the ocean, uh, where all of our fishies fit, swim uh, in peace and comfort. But um, the most recent <clears throat> headlining story was was Adams, who I mentioned. He uh, he was on the bench in in uh, Leipzig's first game back, which was against Dortmund. Didn't see the field. Leipzig lost uh, at home to to Dortmund.
0: Should have played uh, him. So.
1: Should have played him. So he came in the next game uh, and was, I mean, they might've had the thought that they would take him out, but he was just completely bossing the game. He was, he was incredible. I couldn't believe it. It it was like better than I was even hoping. So his first half, he was like competent, you know, getting, getting his groove in the game. And then the second half, he, he's thrown back heels out there. He had this thing where he like, he was in a tussle with somebody and they like actually got the ball off him and he's on the ground. And then he like, somehow scorpion kicks the ball out of bounds while they're trying to dribble away like totally not a foul just just gotcha um and he had he had some some nice moments in uh in build up and attack and being a part of goals uh and leipzig won for nothing so it was a really wonderful performance uh and it it showed i think it showed them exactly what they would want to have seen uh from someone like that Um, he, he seemed to be at a great level of fitness, which shows that, you know, he knew that this, this, uh, this transfer was happening. So even though the Red Bull season was over in November, it looks like he's been keeping up with his regimen. Um, and he showed a lot of comfort with his teammates. So it seems like all the training that they've been doing has, has been enough for him to feel comfortable. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I hope that, uh, the coaches continue to see it that way. Um, and in the meantime, yeah, you know, he becomes, I believe, the sixth, fifth, or sixth uh, American fishy to play in the in the Bundesliga this year.
0: Uh, yeah, which is really buddy. crazy.
1: And um, and his, his one of his compatriots, Josh Sargent, who we we were on hashtag Sargent Watch for all of the fall. He's finally gotten it started to get into the first team. I think he's up to five appearances now with two goals. Uh, still only 60 some minutes or 70 minutes, so he's just getting little bits and pieces of, of games. Uh, but two goals within you know 70 minutes is is pretty damn good. Um, his first goal was the the uh, boy who will be king, sword from the stone <laughs> moment of truth, uh, where he just the ball just pops to him like a yard from goal and he just nods at home. The second was um, this really slick attack that he caused by with a tackle in midfield. The ball turns over. Uh, and he, I think maybe there was one other pass from him, um, at the beginning of the move, which was near the halfway line. And then, uh, the ball switches to the other side and he makes the ghosting run on the other side, uh, on the opposite side. And then his teammate found him and he finished, uh, one time upper 90, no probs,
0: no so big,
1: super, super goal, uh, really, really delivered on, on his promise. And, um, that was actually against, uh, Leipzig, uh, right before the break. So no Adams in that team either. Um, but it's it's great times for Sargent. He's coming through. It's finally happening. Go Joshi. Um, in the meantime, uh, Weston continues to perform at a really high level for Schalke. There's um, been some increased patter about a possible transfer. We've only got a couple days left in the window, um, but you could see why he would be intriguing, especially for um, for English clubs who might want to have an American uh, get that American sauce going. Um, I think it's probably a little too early, and he should wait at least until the summer, if not next winter. Um, but I, I wouldn't be too afraid uh, if he went over over to to England or somewhere else. Um, his teammate Haji Wright is a full fledged member of the senior team now, uh, coming wow. out of the the, the So he's he's now not going to be playing for the youth team, apparently, which is you know both good and bad because he didn't even get on the bench for the last game. Uh, so there might not be a ton of uh, intent to use him that much, um, but he is a senior player. So that, that's, that's cool to see. Uh, he did also score a legit goal off a, a Weston uh headed assist, which was pretty neat to see. Um, I don't know how you lose headers to Weston, but, He's, but it happens he's the all thing. the
0: time he may yeah it's it's does a Tim it.
1: Cahill situation yeah i mean maybe he's, he might be he might be six foot i don't know but he's he doesn't play tall for sure so it's it's always like it's always impressive when he beats out these like six foot four central defenders for for balls but it it happens all the time um so those two are doing well there uh we've also got let's see who shall i hit sipu to give you a little bit of uh uh well, I, we haven't talked since the transfer. So, it's, sorry. First first of all, Barry, the lead. Uh, U.S. record transfer to Did Chelsea. Did we really
0: not? We've not mentioned that? I don't think we've the spoken air? since this transfer. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, that totally sorry you people.
1: It's just <laughs> done a special edition. <laughs> he, 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 Christian Ballistics, a Chelsea player, if you haven't heard already. Uh, he he was signed for something in the region of $55 million, uh to Chelsea, which That's makes a lot of money. A, the 26th most expensive soccer player of all time. And I was curious to see, so I went back and did the, the analysis. There are 12 countries who have had a player sold for more money than, than the United States. All right. The United States. So that puts us 13th in a global ranking of some kind. <laughs> 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 so, so... uh yeah, let's all get pumped for that. So, you know, you 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 get beaten out by Wales and by uh by Egypt uh for for Mosulah and uh some of those some of those places, but but it, it gets us a little bit closer to that that upper echelon. And there are a lot of big time countries who have not had a, a player sold for as much money, uh including our neighbors to the south, I might remind you. Uh maybe until yeah. Lozano goes. But um I think Polisic's Pul- still gonna be more expensive than Lozano. So um, so he made this transfer. He's, he's loaned back to, to uh, Dortmund, which would indicate that they plan to use him uh, in the second half of the season, but he's not playing at all. I think he's played... Well, he, he, he had one sub-appearance in the two matches so far. Um, so not that promising on that front, but, but Dortmund has a long end of season ahead of them, so I'm sure they, they, want, it, they want him as depth but it's it's clear that he's not going to be their their number one go to option um, in the in the spring. So it, it looks like it would take an injury for him to really start getting consistent time again, which which sucks. Uh, you want him to be as sharp as possible going into that uh, that Chelsea move. Uh, but hopefully, you know, something like the Gold Cup maybe could help with that. Just, just getting him at, at full speed uh, before he goes over to to train with Chelsea. Um, let's see where, where else to go. How is Tim
0: Weah doing at Celtic?
1: Oh, Tim Weah! Sorry, uh, this is why I need a list. Tim, Timmy, little Timmy, he is immediately a Celtic legend. He's, awesome! He's grabbing the, he's kissing the badge. He's freaking out in front of the fans. He's he's scoring at will. Uh, I think he's got <laughs> two goals, two goals in three games, something like that. Uh, one of them was against a, a lower division side in uh, in the cup. That was on his debut. It's kind a, of like he just arranged
0: sub. his career so that he could do
1: what Neymar was doing at p s g. yeah, exactly, exactly. He's essentially the Neymar of Celtic <laughs> uh, <laughs> So he's been doing great and and the performances you know on top of just production, the performances have been have been excellent he's He's getting into really dangerous spots in the final third, and uh, he's been you know inches away from scoring on the on several occasions where he hasn't quite scored. Um, now, you, know, you have to caveat at all that it's a, it's a lower level, but it is good to see that at least he can put it together at that level um, you know, consistently to, to, to a certain degree. And I, I think he'll, he'll continue to be in their, uh, in their first choice 11 uh, as long as he's able to keep that kind of performance going because those, those players don't come along very often. So he's yeah, doing great. It's a,
0: it's a perfect fit for him. And remember, you know, if you're, if you're not sure how excited to be, remember how excited we once almost got when we thought Nagby was going to Celtic and then he Yeah, didn't. exactly. And that, exactly. at that time, Nagby was, a, was crucial for this team, you know. His, his, mm-hmm. uh, his development seemed His not paramount. losing the
1: ballishness Yeah, was, so, was we're, so we're, we're vital. Yes. The
0: the general level is definitely being raised. We've got all these youngins uh, playing in Germany, and and Tim Weah over at Celtic is really not even that big of a story for us, and and I think that says a lot about where we're at as a program.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, is he in the in the eleven? He's he's in the eighteen, and probably not the eleven at the moment. Weah for the yeah for the full choice nas I
0: personally would but but yeah. I think it's fring- he's fringy he's he's on the fringe fringy yeah yeah it yeah.
1: could go either way Anyone else so, you want and, to hit around the world Um I'll, I'll briefly uh, go to a non-fishy Matt Miazga, who is uh, finally uh, escaped he's he's escaped from Nalt he's a, took took the channel peace He is back in England at Reading you boys
0: I love uh, who
1: are who are. I think uh, second from bottom in the championship.
0: That's what's so up. he's
1: got his work cut out for him. But there's uh, my understanding is that there's a an injury to one of the center one of the established center backs. So he'll get his chance to come in and, and prove his worth. And if he can be a part of some good performances, personally, I think he's gonna just freaking dominate. I think the championship is just made for Matt Miazga. the The, the big question is going to be coming out of that. Will he be able to translate that into? time at a higher level. Um, I think that the non thing is essentially a wash because it was one of those situations where the coach wanted him, they agreed the loan deal. Then six, six weeks into the season, the coach gets fired and replaced the new coach doesn't want you. And it's just, you know, whatever, what, what can you do? So, so Miazga has to, has to, you know, round back into form, but he's another one where I'm really hoping that the the gold cup will be a, a catalyst for him to, um, to to blossom a little bit to more, get it going, so, yeah, get it going. So that's a, that's a good tour. That's a good tour. We're, we're things are things are hot. Things are hot. It's you got up weeks, you got down weeks. But he, the most down player for the whole season is Polisic, and Polisic also you know achieved this transfer, which which it's is like great news by any account. So yeah, um, you know pe- people are worried that he's not going to get playing time, but he's not getting that much playing time at Dortmund, so it doesn't bug me too much, and I think it's just it's a wonderful opportunity for him to be in you know I- increasingly challenging and and uh difficult circumstance and if if he can't crack it, that's fine I mean Chelsea's not going to have any problem loaning him to to everton or you know Bournemouth or whomever and yeah, and you got to think he's been be at, fine for him too, so
0: he's been at Dortmund for such a very long time um i it could be good for him to shake it up a little bit, get some different uh, influences different different voices in his ear different set of uh you know he's he Dortmund was his apprenticeship he's now entering his journeyman phase and that's good there's a Indeed. there's a time Grad and place school. for that yeah it's time for him to to <laughs> see different things see the world um and then eventually become a total boss master g for us uh and oh, in the meantime family. we're 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 rising Tides, we're tide, rising, all tides boats, rising. All the yes, boats All the boats are rising, and the rising tide. I should say, I,
1: uh, we we get impatient very quickly. I mean, I'm I'm already we're, we're, I'm realizing that we've we've gone from Polisic and ten old dudes to Polisic, Weston, and Tyler, who are all at comparable levels. I mean, make make no mistake; it's not that Polisic has regressed that much. It's it's that Weston and Tyler are just as good. Uh, and you know, in different different roles and doing different functions, but they're 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 great. Um, and those players are all twenty or under. Um, and so so we're looking for a, a couple more players to to join this band, and and create a team that that could be really formidable in in four years or so. Um, but you know, you you look at the U twenties this year. You look at some of the some of the players coming up in, in in Germany. Some of the younger players are actually getting opportunity now in MLS. I mean, it's 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 a it's it's good times to be a US fan and, and I'm I'm really hoping that the uh the the summer is an opportunity for the team to really establish that new identity that everybody's looking for. Um, I think
0: we're right on our way. Uh but I want to look forward but before we do, I got to give a quick shout out to Walker Zimmerman's no celebration after his goal in oh this game god, versus Panama. Oh my god, what it what was, was he doing? Can you explain this to me? He like, he, it, it, ha, it looked, he like, he, he heads it home. It comes in diagonal cross from Nick Lima. He heads it Bang. home. Like, like no doubt in his mind and just immediately goes stock still. Then after a nice pregnant pause, he does one of those licks his finger, count it things. Uh, with oh, sort of I, a, so
1: I didn't know what the licking your finger thing is. I thought that was some sort of weird uh, deviancy.
0: No, like, it, well, he it looked deviant. He had like a thiz face going. Yeah. While, he, while he did it, but I just loved it. He stopped so stock still, immediate like before the ball goes in, practically. I think it he like, was. It he like was like he,
1: mad dogging Lima, from something like that. I think that. Yeah. was that his goal. It was like it was like you're so good. I'm just gonna immolate you with my stare
0: yeah i think he, that's how he expresses uh, love and affection <laughs> yeah like he, right, he right. looked it's... like a uh like in fifa when or any soccer video game when like the, the the players haven't been programmed for this situation you know there's not like an yeah right right and, exactly. and they just like stop exactly. maybe yes. that's an old school reference that, like I'm they sure all win the they
1: all out. win the champions league but they, they like haven't programmed in like Giassi art is winning the champions league so he's just like just staring blankly into space <laughs> with his medal. <laughs> it was great, though. Good on
0: you, Walker. Uh, nice having you for this game, Ty. What comes next for oh, us? What oh, are we? Uh, what are I wanna, we? Looking forward I want to get to
1: what's next. But I, I, I'm realizing that the, one of the most important aspects of this game has been put under the rug. Which and is? I, I've already gone off a little bit on Twitter about this, but the the crowd and the ticket prices, yeah, are are one of the principal stories of this game because. Here, you know, we, we talk about this in the show a lot. Y'all, y'all know what I think, uh, what, what, what the two of us think. But here we have a situation where you have a, a, a C or, you know, maybe a D team. Like, this is not even the best MLS players, right, for the U.S. men's national team. These are, these are players who are, who are barely going to get a sniff at a full roster for the U.S. national team. You have a new coach where you want to get things off to a good start, and you want to reintroduce the program to the to the populace and you're playing in a place that does not have an MLS team and you're charging $40 and up for tickets this this is the reported prices that i saw 40 and up and you get 7000 people in an 80000 seat stadium and i i'm i'm just floored at the logic. I don't understand any re- reasoning behind why you would make a decision like that. Why would you not sacrifice some amount of revenue to bolster public perception of the team, to introduce more people to the team, to make the new coach's debut a more joyous and, and exciting occasion to give the, the players who are representing the U S for the first time, uh, a better sense of the grandiosity of the responsibility that they have and the opportunity that they have. Uh, why would you not use a game that's inevitably going to be low revenue? You know, this is not a moneymaker. You're you're January friendly against Panama. Why don't you use that as an opportunity for outreach and for brand building, as opposed to trying to squeeze every penny out of a market that doesn't care about soccer? And, and they had to fly. Like the justification for going to to Arizona is that it's closer to San Diego. It's like play in San Diego. They've they've been fighting <laughs> their asses off to get an MLS team. They have facilities like you can play in the the old football stadium there if you want to play in a football stadium. It's, you know they're they're not they're not doing gangbusters business there.
0: Yeah. You can play
1: at uh, at UC. You know it's, it's like
0: there's a lot of ways in which the USSF seems to fall short. And one of the big ones is general sense of coolness and like whipping up a vibe. They yeah, they, right. they seem not to know how to get a buzz going at all. You right, know?
1: right. And 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 you know some of the logic that I've heard behind this, you know, I, I read an interview that uh, uh, Jay Berhalter, the CEO of of the USSF, and Cineo, no relation. Oh wait, no total. Uh, there relation. is a relation uh, <laughs> that they did surrounding the, the Copa America and they were analyzing the ticket prices for Copa America. And they said that, you know, essentially the most expensive seats are the ones that sell out the fastest. So if you lower the ticket price, it doesn't actually expand the the attendance by that much, but it does dramatically decrease revenue to which I, I respond, don't lower the average ticket price by that much, just make it so that you can get a bad seat for $10. That That's all that's all I'm asking for. I just want I want people who can only spend, you know, who want to spend less than $100 to take their family to the game to be able to do that, because there are a lot of fucking people in this country who can't possibly spend 200 or $250 to have a two hour experience with their children. Like you have to get this into dinner and a movie territory Or it's just not going to be viable for a lot of people. And even if they are interested, you know, they're just going to prefer to watch it on TV or hang out with their friends and watch it, you know, watch it somewhere else. It's like, I, it, it seems completely tone deaf and idiotic to me to, to take this tack. And I've yet to see any like legitimate argument against it. Um, So, you know, I'm, I, I hope I get to ask those questions someday, or I hope you get to ask those questions someday of like, what's the thinking here? How do you look at this, this, Display on television and think that this is successful, um, and I know we're of one mind, so I shouldn't yell at you about it. The 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 <laughs> I, I did some research. I got so riled up after the game yesterday because um, I was like, this would be such a great opportunity for kids to come watch the U.S. national team. Like it's this low pressure environment where the U.S. is likely to win, and we did win with style, and we looked good, and it was like you could come out of that game talking about the the fucking fullback and you could think like, Oh man, we should do that for our high school team. Or, you know, Oh, you know, did you notice how Mihailović made this, this run or or, or his touch or whatever. And then kids come go home and they want to be that. And they want to turn into that. That's, that's, that's the win. Not, not getting 20 bucks extra out of the ticket. I I don't get it. So I went back and I was like like doing some research. I found, um, just from the world of club sports, you can go, see uh, Dortmund for $20 US. You can get a ticket. You go sit in a bad seat at Dortmund for 20 bucks. You can watch... um, If if you want to spend $40 on a soccer ticket, you can go to fucking Madrid and watch Real Madrid play for $40. That's insane. So you're asking (laughs) the same cost to watch a bad national team's worst team... Play against another bad national team's worst team, and you're asking the same price as me going to the Bernabau. That that makes no sense at all. the The other comp that I was looking for. Oh, one other thing from the club uh, world. I looked up uh, Celtic tickets. You know, Celtic's been on my mind from Wea. An adult ticket to see Celtic is thirty five or forty bucks, but they also have kids tickets. If you're under 18, it's uh, 20 bucks, And if you're under 13, it's $13. 10, 10 pounds, $13. So I could, take, I could go with me and my kids, and we could go watch Celtic for, it was like $63 for tickets. Totally reasonable. And there's no reason why, like, there's no technical barrier <laughs> to us achieving this here. This has to be doable. You have to you have to incentivize people to to do the actions that help you the most. The other example I found, I was like, okay, what about some national teams? So I looked at other you know comparable uh, national teams. And one example I found that was really damning is that uh, Australia says so I was like, okay, Australia, similar situation. They've got rugby and cricket, you know, competing for competition with soccer. They're trying to get the public excited about the team. They were playing in World Cup qualifying. They were playing Tajikistan, so this is not going to be a naturally attractive draw they They were playing in a a, a rugby stadium, I think or cricket stadium, and what they did was they priced the tickets at um uh' was, i think fifty Australian for a family, so that's like forty bucks thirty five forty dollars for a family to go watch the game brilliant for idea, a family. See, it's a like fam- a
0: one-ticket so th- one family price.
1: Yeah, one-ticket family price. I'm, I'm not sure what they qualify as a family, but I'm imagining, you know, two adults, two kids, whatever. Um, and if you want to go with your boys and it's, it's more adults, then it's going to be a little bit more money. But to, to get a family there, they, they cut you a break, you know, to, to make it easier for you to do that. And uh, they drew at this game 35,000 people. 35,000 people came to watch them play Tajikistan. Yeah
0: yeah, it's rough out there. We got to do better. And I, and it just seems like a a blind spot. Like the Federation doesn't have the space for this concept in their minds. Like, and, and I wonder if it's seriously been tried. You know, I feel like someone's make, someone is making this decision and I don't know that they actually have the experience with attempting it to, to make that choice. And and uh, I'm going to dovetail this a little bit. And we don't have too many friendlies to experiment left before we get to Gold Cup time. Right. Uh, right. We will be playing on February 2nd before
1: you know it. Yes, uh, that's what's coming up. We're playing, we'll wrap it up. We're playing February was 2nd, you said? Yes. February yeah. 2nd, the, Costa Rica. Next Saturday. Yeah, against Costa Rica. It's going to be in San Jose. So it'll be uh, round two of the, the Berhalter uh, idea whiteboard session that we just witnessed. Um, and <laughs> I brainstorm. think it'll be a very, a very similar situation. Yeah. Lots of brainstorming. Um, I would expect, uh, you know, similar, similar vibe, similar opponent, a little bit tougher. Um, but you know, it, it'll be, it'll be just cool to see more and, and see if we can uncover more of the ideas that are, uh, being offered by the new coach. So I'm, I'm super excited. I can't wait. I'm, I'm psyched for the Nats. I'm psyched again. I'm psyched for I was, the Nats I was again. losing it a little bit, but I'm psyched.
0: It's good. It's good, and there's a lot of club teams you can go out and watch. Watch some Celtic. Watch some Leipzig. Watch some. Uh, um, watch some, watch uh, Man Bird City if you want
1: to. If you want to see some tucked in inverted fullbacks.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to see the tactical, <laughs> watch uh, you can you can learn a lot, and as we have been doing, as I have been doing on this journey with you in this show for however many years we've been doing it. Ty. Oh. You know what, man? I quite like like it when uh, I f- set a coffee down and forget that it has about a third of coffee left. Um, Ooh, I know oh, you're supposed yes. to drink coffee either hot or cold, but sometimes you just pa- you, you pass out for a quick little nap and you wake up and realize there's coffee right beside you. Um, so I, I like that a lot. Uh, I love me a bathrobe. It's a, a joy and a pleasure that I've not known until recently when I received not one but two bathrobes uh, for Christmas. We're both and at once. I I wonder if I'm being subtly told some sort of a message by those who I cohabitate with. Um, <laughs> and I really like it when uh, a, a form is completely filled out, not partially uh, nothing, no longer any confusions or fears about filling that form out. You with me, folks out there, about fear of filling forms out, or is that just me? But I don't love any of that stuff as much as I absolutely love the nads. Let's go, boys.
1: Oh, get in there, Mihailovich.
0: Get in here,
1: bro. Straight out of Chicago. <laughs> DJ, DJ hearts. Georgie. DJ, oh boy. Well, we're going to work on nickname ideas for you, Mihailovich. Yeah, we You're coming you, with dog. us now.
0: Welcome. We've got another itch, and I I like it. Are you Mihailovic?
1: (laughs) Yeah, good question.
0: Should we have a long-term debate over the pronunciation of your name? No, it's fine. Just say whatever
1: Bruce Arena says.
0: (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) It's we the people.
1: It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.